folks? Are you in the Chicagoland area? Well, get your booty over there because on February 11th, we're having the very, very fun day. What is that? Calm down and stop asking questions. I can't hear you, but I'm going to tell you because I assume that's what you're asking. It's a day with all sorts of great Max Fun podcasts like Tights and Fights, like Judge John Hodgman, like The Flop House, like tons more. People, get all the details and get your tickets now at MaximumFun.org slash very, very fun day. All right? And that's the bottom line, because how Lublin says so. Tyson Fights Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Hal, and there's Daniel, and this guy, Mike Eagle, is there as well. Tyson Fights Podcast. Tyson Podcast, 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 podcast. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Tights and Fights, the longest running weekly episodic wrestling podcast in maximum fun history. That's so true. That's true. That's hey, true. yo, say hello to the good guy. How Lublin. And I'm joined in the booth by my fellow members of the nation of conversation, the Queen of Queens, Danielle Radford. Oh, thank you. Hello. That's a lot of queens. That's so many queens. That's so many queens. That's a queen. You're like a nesting doll of queens. Yeah. That sounds like there's tens of fives of queens. I love this <laughs> math. <laughs> well, you're going to love that we have Mrs. Eagle's baby boy, Mike Eagle, with us. That's not even her name. <laughs> <laughs> well... Coming up on this week's show, tender love and chairs, never trust a man with no chin, a requiem for a rude wrestler, and a lot more. But first, let's talk TLC, the SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view for December. Before we jump into what actually happened, let's have a quick moment of silence for the broadcasting careers of Lita and Jerry the King Lawler, respectively. I think that was enough time. There's <laughs> enough silence it. for it all good. of them. It's covered. You know what? Jerry the King Lawler was part of a great tandem in the in the mid to late uh, mid to late '90s through maybe 2001. Maybe that's when when the puppies got to be too much. Like we all caught it's... up. Like we we came out of the haze. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we came out of the haze of like, oh, this is terrible. What he's doing, it's gotta stop. Well, yeah. I mean, once you're once you're no longer a teenager, and you're like, oh, boobs, boobs are everywhere. Maybe it was the internet. Like some of us had the internet, but it loaded kind of slow. But like, I downloaded yeah. many a slow half naked woman JPEG. Yeah, many. but like Sharp. once we got to like the the two thousands when internet got good, it was mm-hmm. like, oh, I can just see titties. I don't need him to talk about it. At all the twenty eight point eight k modem, yeah, it was sure, done yeah. deal then. <laughs> done deal. It was like I I just got to the hairline. Another half hour will be to the bridge of the nose. <laughs> Those were exciting. You know, that was when we appreciated the weight. All of you kids out there don't even know what it was like trying to see mm-hmm. women at that time, but. Well, uh, you know, he did contribute. Uh, uh, he's contributed a lot to the business over the course of his career, but he's been moved to a legends contract, as has Lita, who's not necessarily the strongest of talkers, but still another person who's contributed greatly to WWE. So uh, we salute ye. Salute. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's get into the show, uh, which I really enjoyed. Again, if you're going to compare in the short time that they've uh, they've been separated as brands, the pay-per-views of SmackDown versus Raw. I think SmackDown's come out on top. I think this was a very strict... Like, the fact that they had a good chairs match 
is really impressive because the chairs match is like only a little bit better than a than a steps match, which is the worst thing possible. Hmm. And the fact that they told a story in which chairs played a part, but weren't, I mean, it's just showing that the booking on SmackDown is probably a little bit stronger. Uh, their creative is a lot stronger in terms of trying to, to get as many different stories going as possible. Love the ladder match between The Miz and uh, Dolph Ziggler. Some of the best selling I've ever seen. The Miz selling that ankle for the back half of that match. I don't know if I've ever seen a better selling job of an injury. Because a lot of times it feels like the guys will forget. Like Kevin Owens after his ladder match at the at the Rumble when he came out and he was limping. That was great. But it seemed like after a couple of minutes he forgot about the limp and was just sort of going full tilt. That didn't happen in that IC uh, title match, which I really liked. Main event was great. Twist ending. We'll get into it a little bit more. But if I, I would say on a scale of 10, I would give this pay-per-view an 8, 8.5. That's what I would say. Wowzers. Yeah, that's right. So we had uh, AJ Styles rip tights, <laughs> right? Major opportunity uh, booty, was booty missed. Booty cheeks. Uh, they call him the ass who runs the class. Mm. <laughs> and he did confirm on his Instagram that his that we were in no danger of seeing his butthole. Yeah. For some people, that might not have been danger. Maybe people wanted to see his butthole. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, we saw Bray Wyatt get his first WWE gold, becoming the SmackDown Tag Champion with... Randy Orton in a real quick match against Slater and Rhino. Uh, Danielle, how are you feeling after the show? Um, you know what? I I enjoyed it. Um, I'm still there is so much wrestling. Yeah. Um, and so there, I like now it's really like a pay per view has to knock my socks off my socks. Like it's not socks on socks, queens on queens. Socks on socks. <laughs> like it, it just has to. So this was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, TLC is one of the biggies, and so I didn't. I was definitely not disappointed. I had a lot of fun, but I'm. I am like I am judging pay per views a lot harder now because there is so much product that like if I have an inkling that something just feels like a regular episode, I'm not into it. But I really enjoyed. I really, really, really enjoyed TLC. Did you like it better? Than Survivor Series. And it's okay if you didn't. Yes. Did you like it better than Hell in Cell? No. Is it because of the Sasha? It's because I'm Switzerland, Hal. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Mike, what'd you think? I think uh, TLC is dumb. Kind of as a <laughs> as a as a concept. I think I think really I you know, it's that Hell in a Cell thing where since the pay-per-view is named TLC, we must have a tables latch, a ladders match, and a chairs match, <laughs> even if that doesn't make any sense for the booking of the programs in which we are currently invested. Yeah. And I, I'm just starting to really, I don't know, it just wears me out because I look at any one of those matches, the the Ziggler Miz match, the Baron Corbin Kalisto match, AJ Styles, and uh, Ambrose or Becky and Alexa, and all those matches were so like uniquely hyper-violent that could you imagine what it would have been like if that were the only hyper-violent match on the show? Right. Like, if you looked at that that Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles match, like that springboard 450 splash through the table, could you imagine if that was the only match with toys on the card? Like, how, how, how much, how differently I feel like we would have appreciated him putting his body through that if it was the only time on the show that that happened, you know? And, and I look at a lot of the, the violence and a lot, a lot of the bumps people were taking, and I'm like, man, these almost feel wasted because they're kind of, they're undervalued by being placed, you know, 
one after another behind each other on a show only because that's what the show's called. I don't really, right. other, other than that logic, doesn't seem to be much informing that decision. So, you know yeah. what? I'm going to get a pay-per-view. I'm going to name it In the Parking Lot. <laughs> and, every, <laughs> and every match is going to take place in the parking lot. And that's just how we're going to do that pay-per-view. And folks, uh, you get tickets, you just sit in your car, and you just it's wait like a, for a wrestler to come to you. It's like the drive-in. Yeah, yeah. it would be great. Finally. Just tune it in on the radio and, <laughs> you know, it'd be great. Well, let's dive into the card a little bit. Uh, the biggest conversation points from the show, let's, let's talk about the main event. We'll start at the top. AJ Styles defeated Dean Ambrose for the WWE World Championship in a really fun TLC match. Ambrose had climbed the ladder and was inches away from retrieving the title when SmackDown mascot James Ellsworth came into the ring and did this. What the hell just happened? James Ellsworth just sent Dean Ambrose crashing through tables at ringside. Did he get confused? What the hell is going on? That's right. The lovable loser of the blue brand has turned heel. And in addition to sending Ambrose toppling off a ladder through two tables, Ellsworth screwed him over again in Dean's Intercontinental title match on SmackDown. Danielle. We've enjoyed Ellsworth being the stooge of SmackDown so far. Is this the right time for the heel turn? Yes, this is my favorite part of the of TSE. Oh, really? Yeah, this is my favorite part. Well, because like people were already complaining that it was getting old, right? Um, and like Ellsworth is fun, but he's goofy, and that kind of takes away some of the shine of the title. I like this idea. Now you can go so many places with this. For one thing, it keeps it kind of new and fresh and interesting for however long he's there for. Plus, like. Think about it. The story of it is you go in, any man with two hands or whatever, try to beat Braun Strowman, get your ass beat, get yourself over on the internet enough that you can start being part of the show, and now you're starting to be in the title thing. The the idea that he's just like... I know I'm not good enough. I have to cheat. I have because this is like I'm never going to get this opportunity again. So I need to do whatever I can do to be the WWE champion. It makes all of the sense in the world to me to turn him from being like goofy. Oh, I'm just crazy and I ain't got yeah. no chin to be like <laughs> no. Like I I need this payday. If 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 this doesn't continue working for me, I want to leave here saying I had this and I don't care who I have to hurt or what's going to happen to get it. Well, That's and I, great. I think the best heel turns are the motivate, like where they come out, and there's almost always when there's a heel turn, they have to come out and go, I, I bet you're all wondering why I did it. <laughs> and and the thing they did, instead of giving him a mic in front of the crowd, was they put him on Talking Smack. It was such a great interview where he says, well, I wanted to fight AJ Styles because I've beaten him three times. I have his number. So I, I can beat him, and Dean Ambrose will be fine. He would do the same thing for me. <laughs> like, he would have done the same thing if he was in my position, and uh, I'll give him the first title shot when I win. <laughs> like, it's such a great... Yeah, yeah, that combined thing of, like, also being, like, now he's also a guy who's buying into his own hype. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I think and it's great. That's probably what people are saying about him. Uh, the, the, the naysayers of the internet are probably like, well, he probably thinks he's that great because... Uh, you know, he got this this contract or anything. So to use that as a character element is fantastic. So, so Mike, like we heard on SmackDown, Ellsworth is due for a championship match against AJ Styles. And AJ uh, was noticeably less antagonistic this week, even putting over the relentless attitude of Dean Ambrose in the opening promo. So do you think this is the start of an AJ Styles face turn? Uh, or is it just more muddying of the heel-face dynamic like you talk about? I think that AJ... Uh, AJ... <laughs> To me, in, in terms of how I watch the show, he hasn't really completely found his heel footing. It was great uh, as an antagonist against Cena, 
But now as the kind of star of the show himself, I feel like it's too many. I feel like his character is just like this annoying guy who's awesome in the ring, but he's just annoying. And I'd rather I'd rather it be a a firmer, kind of stronger character uh, that's just evil or dastardly or likes to hurt people. That's what I would rather he do rather than the <laughs> and yeah guy like. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? just, I, I don't you know the, a lot of the humor of it like like he's laughing at his own jokes a lot. It's like oh, shut the fuck up like. Um, <laughs> but you know and speaking speaking of turns I I I I wish that Ellsworth's turn like I feel like instead of turning heel he kind of turned dumb. Mm-hmm. Like he was completely aware of everything and now he's completely unaware of everything. Right. Which is cool, but he has put himself in a position where we want to see him get his ass whooped a lot. And I feel like if he actually had turned evil, then it would serve as him getting his ass whooped more in a more enjoyable fashion. Because now I'm like, oh, this dumb little guy is about to get beat up a lot. Uh, I don't know. I I always want to watch him get his ass beat. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's fun because that's what he's there for. Right. But see... I feel like now I want to see his ass get beat mercilessly. Like before, like before, I just used to want to see him kind of get knocked out, or, you know what I mean, or socked a little bit. Now it's like I want, I want Dean Ambrose to beat him with sticks and implements, and you know what I mean, like get out but, that kendo stick. But I, but I'm wondering too, is it because I feel like because he is so small, is he gonna need a heater at some point? Mm. Like, and I wonder maybe this is an opportunity to bring somebody else in so that there's a person in between. Whoever and Ellsworth, which I think could be fun too. Yeah, he either needs a heater or he needs to be the heater for someone else. He can't be a heater. He can be in terms of cheating, hitting people. He can hit somebody with a brick or, you know, I mean. I just, you know, like, I don't know why I think people are carrying bricks around. Yeah, Have you ever hit anybody with a brick? No. I mean, a, like well, a cinder block. A cinder block, but not like a, bri- not you, a brick. You want people to get murdered for real. I'm on, I, Mike's really winning me over on this idea. Ells- <laughs> like, that's the thing, because that, that, that was the thing. That's why you noticed that AJ was being so non-heelish in the ring yeah. because everybody wants to see Ellsworth get beat up and he's next to the top heel and the top heel's not beating him up, you know? Right. Like, something felt a little off about that, you know? Yeah. Like, who wants to... Like, if I'm AJ Styles, I'm not going to even... I'm not going to entertain James Ellsworth speaking in the ring with me. I'm going to kick him, <laughs> like, <laughs> swiftly. I'm going to kick him. He can't talk around me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, then, uh, let's stick with SmackDown. One last point from TLC. Uh, Alexa Bliss defeated Becky Lynch in a tables match to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Table looked gimmicked, but it sure did break. Uh, Mike, we've talked about how much Bliss has improved in her brief tenure on NXT and then now the main roster. Are you hopeful that she's going to be the linchpin for the SmackDown Women's division? I think that's a lot to ask of her very quickly. And I, and that's why I kind of didn't think they were going to go that way because she's so newly brought up. Yeah. And whereas she is progressing quickly, she's not established. So to put her in that position, I think, is, is asking a lot, especially for, a, you know, a new belt. Um, and you just had it on Becky, who's another who, who's super talented, but right. hasn't been on the scene that long either. Um, I think the, you know, I almost want to see a Nikki Bella run just to kind of get really? the belt over. I do. Because also, I don't like all the other horse and buggy bullshit they come up with Nikki to do to keep her out of the title picture. It all looks super silly to me. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I was going to ask you, Danielle, um, mm-hmm. as a person who, who doesn't watch Total Divas, 
Uh, shameful. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't watch any reality show of any kind. You're I just can't. Right. So, but just think of it as think of it as backstage segments that go all the way to the back to the house. That's too much. <laughs> that's how you have to think about it. That's too much. Yeah, that's too, that's just I can't. But but um as as somebody who doesn't watch, I see them playing up on now they're starting to play up on SmackDown a lot of the history between Natalia and Nikki. But is that where that history is established? Because I don't see it very much established in the wrestling shows. But I feel like they talk they talk about it a lot. About like the friendship and yeah, like... and how both of them have been. They they've been in the business a long time, and maybe they used to be friends or something. Yeah, like... that's all in the show. Okay, so yeah, that's it's all why. on Toad Steve. So all of that Toad misses Steve's, me. Toad Steve's lives in this weird universe where it's like it's a different kind of kayfabe, right? Mm-hmm. Because like. Naomi goes by her real name, but she like the only one who does, except for like Nikki. But, you know, Nikki has a different last name or whatever. Like it's both based in reality and it acknowledges that they are like as close as they can come to acknowledging that like, hey, we're actors and we're putting on a show like (laughs) but it's still like their own lives. And so that's the problem when you get these totes deeds girls in the ring. Um because they both take the thing where they draw on the fake reality of that and try to draw on the fake reality of WWE. So it just becomes this weird, like, mushy And that's why I'm confused. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. I just wanted to check with you. So the answer is that you you just got to start watching Toadsteeds. I can't do it. (laughs) It's on the network. $9.99. I do... I wouldn't put Brie Bell. I, I wouldn't put the title on her yet. Maybe WrestleMania mm-hmm. because she still got the Austin who beat me up backstage slash who ran me over with a car, which I think now, based on Becky Lynch's post match interview, I know there's been some talk about her being revealed as the person who did it because I was the champion. Why wasn't I the captain? And I've been marginalized the whole time. And then these imagined that. demons turn her into the monster heel that that she did so well in NXT. Killed it. So I would love to Be- see her. Becky as a heel. was a monster heel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All of this. Yeah. Okay. It was so she had a good. Great mm. feud with with Bailey. Yeah. So good. Because she was like one of the last people. Because Bailey has this whole thing where she's like, "We're best friends," and then mm. the person like turns on her and she's like, yeah. "Oh," and then that like that just kept happening. <laughs> yeah. Because so she's sweet. Now it becomes who would be the face challenger to Alexa Bliss. My my money's on Naomi because I think the two of them could have really good matches. Oh, I want it. I like, want Naomi deserves to, it. Let's build the title picture up so when Nikki wins the belt, there's a credible challenger outside of the one person who's been wrestling with her for the three months before she Is had Naomi it. injured or something? I feel like she hasn't been on TV in a month. No, she's, no, she's just dark skinned. Ouch. There we go. As am I. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah so me too. Bad. No, I'm sorry. I love all y'all. Uh, no, she's just dark skinned, but she's like one of the best. She's so good. She's so athletic. She takes it seriously. She yeah. moves like nothing. She's constantly coming up with new ideas and she gets them over. And then they like put her on the shelf for months and months and months. So I feel like they, they spent a lot of money on that entrance to just not have it happen. Thank you. Where do you even get that much day glow? Where you, where you get, where you get black? Backlights to flood a whole stadium. <laughs> and the glasses with the message on it. Mm-hmm. They're certainly selling ad space on there, right? It's going to be GoDaddy going Yeah, GoDaddy.com. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to two women who are definitely the focus of the Raw division, Sasha Banks and Charlotte. Sasha announced that the two women will meet once again at the next Raw pay-per-view, which is entitled Roadblock, End of the Line, Age of Extinction, Redemption, The Force Awakens <laughs> to Electric Boogaloo. Mm-hmm. This time, it'll be in a 30-minute Iron Man match. So, Danielle, 
Uh, hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. I know that there's a script here. I just keep having to break from it. Like Bailey's still around, right? Can right. we can we put a cork on this feud? We talk about we're tired of seeing Miz and Ziggler wrestle once one another. I know we all want to see Charlotte and Sasha. 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 Sar- Charlotte and Sasha. Sasha Banks. I know we want to see those two Sasha Banks. And <laughs> I know we want to see them fight forever, but I don't want them to fight forever. Can yeah, they stop? They're going to stop when one of them dies. Why you don't know? they? Yeah, I, and also just like Bailey just sitting in the back watching them redo all of her shit. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but now Sasha is Bailey and Charlotte is Sasha. And all that means to me is that like I don't get to see nearly as much of uh, Sasha just surrounded by dudes lifting her up in the ring, and that's what I want. So I'm ready. <laughs> I am so ready for Sasha to turn heel. This feud is great. The 30-minute Iron Man is going to be dope. They are both going to be half-murdered by the time it's done. Okay. Uh, Ric Flair going to be crying or whatever it is that Ric Flair does. <laughs> um, but yes, do the 30-minute Iron Man match, and then we got to be done. And it is time to do the thing that they've been doing when they show Sasha and Bailey together on the show, which is like having them kind of play at this idea where it's like, we're both, we both want it, we're, but we're best friends, but we both want it, we both want it. Turn Sasha heel. It's time. She's a better heel than she is a face. And she's still going to be over, and, I'm, and people are still going to buy her merch. She'll be just fine. Is this the right blow-off to this feud? And if not, what, how would you have blown it off? Maybe a hell in the cell? I would have blown it off at Hell in the Cell when Sasha would have won. Sasha should have won. But Sasha should have won. Now, now that that we're we're beyond that, we're what nine championship switches beyond that? Is this the blow off? Has Are to you be. okay with it? It has to be. Do you want what? this to be the blow off? Yes, I want it to be the blow off. It okay. has to be. What? fucking matches are left for them to do. Unicycle, something on yep. a pole. Title something on a pole. pole. Yeah. Ladder match. Fire ropes. Strap match. Hardcore falls caught anywhere title. Like, go. what is there for them? They're going to do every... Kennel in a cell. <laughs> scaffold. You can go scaffold. Scaffolding <laughs> match. Yeah. Old school. <laughs> One of them going to dive off the Titan Tron. Oh my that's going to be... That's it. Pudding match. Who knows? Look. Uh, uh, don't, don't even play with me. Finally. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Let's take a look at one of the most controversial moments to come up on Raw in a while. Enzo Amore is the latest dude bro to hit on the ravishing Russian Lana. Danielle, do you think that having Enzo be so sleazy to Lana, who's married to Rusev both on TV and in real life, is undercutting WWE's stated efforts to give the women more relevance on their show? I don't understand why this is happening. Enzo is supposed to be... Okay, so Enzo's a face, but in the weird, real-not-real reality of Toad Steve's, Lana and Rusev are so cute. Yeah. On Twitter, Lana and Rusev are so cute. What... Part of this makes Enzo the good guy to constantly be like, here's a funky rhyme about how your chick wants my dick. Like, what part of this (laughs) makes him the good guy? Every right. single feud, Rusev winds up looking like, yeah, no, he's the dude that's defending his marriage and his love to his wife. Why do we hate love? <laughs> may, may I take a quick Tote Steve sidebar? Yes. Mike, yes, I think I know why you need to watch. Uh. To hear Lana, whose real name is CJ, Yep. Uh, to hear her speak without the Russian accent backstage and talk to Natty and be like, 
I just feel like she stole my move and I would never do that to her. And like, but like, and I work so hard and it just doesn't seem fair. No. Also, she no. put a shot put because Jim Neidhard was trying to show her how to shot put. And she put a shot put right through Natty's front windshield. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> and then Rusev got on, uh, got on Twitter and was like, yeah, I've done shot put. That happens. She fine. Wow. <laughs> now, Mike, with that, with that in mind, latent sexist qualities of wrestling aside, how problematic do you think it is for Enzo as a face to be doing something so heelish as hitting on another guy's wife? Again, we come know, back well, to heel face dynamics. He's gross, and l- luckily, <laughs> luckily this time he got the hell beat from him for it. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly does cast a light on how the bookers are looking at. Rusev and Lana's relationship. Like, what is wrong with them being in love and being a couple and being married on television and celebrating and loving each other? I mean, like, Lana is watching her husband lose every week. (laughs) You know what I mean? She's standing by him. Like, that makes me root for them. (laughs) I love you through this ass whooping. (laughs) Exactly. I'm gonna put back teen all over you. <laughs> right. And 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 starting with Roman and now continuing with Enzo, like they're they're having the baby faces assault that unprovoked. Just yeah. completely unprovoked. This whole dynamic in general is a it's is a somewhat complicated issue that's no doubt drawing a lot of opinions. Check the internet if you wanna see. But be sure to share yours with us at Facebook.com slash groups slash tights fights. And after a break We'd like all of you to keep the noise down while we have a guest tell us about their special wrestler. That's coming up on Tights and Fights. I'm Brian. And I'm Aaron, And we host Throwing Shade, a political comedy podcast that's somehow horribly offensive and socially conscious. If you want to know what it sounds like if the news drank straight vodka, check us out on Thursdays on Max Fun. And we're the first Max Fun podcast to be turned into a TV show. So check that out January 17th on TV Land. Throwing Shade. Politics. Pop culture. Wigs for days. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and with me as usual to talk about all things wrestling are... I'm Danielle Radford. And... Michael Eagle. And it's time for another installment in our series, My Special Wrestler, where we invite folks onto the show to tell us about someone from the world of wrestling who they found especially affecting. Our next guest has written a comic book about one iconic wrestler, but he's got someone else he'd like to give the spotlight to. Hi, I'm Vox Brown, comics artist and creator of Andre the Giant Life and Legend, the comic biography of Andre the Giant. My special wrestler is Rick Rude. I think he could have been the number one bad guy in WWF, and he kind of was that way in WCW. And I know that you're here for the same reason all these other ladies are here. And that is to see Ravishing Rick Rude. Am I right? Between his gross mustache and misogynist attitude, 
Ravishing Rick Rude was a true heel. But Box Brown doesn't think that he ever really got his due. I always feel like Rick Rude got short shrift his whole career because he ended up leaving WWF because Hulk Hogan didn't want to work with him. So he never really could get like that main event spot. So he ended up going to WCW and he immediately was like the main eventer there and like the champ. But it happened to be at a time when Ric Flair had like jumped over to WWF. Hulk Hogan comes back to WCW and Rick Rude's in the same position. Like Hulk Hogan doesn't want to work with him. He's the champ. And so he like got screwed over in that way. I just think that Rick Rude uh, was so great and he was such a great heel. He'd like get out there and immediately insult the entire crowd. He would come up with like a new, you know, insult that kind of had the same first letter as the, the city they were in. And it was just this awesome thing. You'd immediately hate him, even if you didn't know who he was. What I'd like to have right now is for all you fat, out-of-shape, Pennsylvania pissants, New York nitwit, Los Angeles losers, Boston boneheads. He's not going to keep the noise down while I take my Show the ladies what a real sexy man looks like. Hit the music. Well, 20,000 here at the guy. Rick Rude, in the middle of his career, in like the prime of his career, sits out of pro wrestling for like four years. Finally, he comes back and he's in DX. And then he leaves DX and he's on Nitro and Raw on the same day, like at the same time, like no one else ever did that. Oh, holy smokes! Rick Rude? What? what do you look at? coming out of the woodwork! I really want the WWE Network to like somehow do this where you can watch episodes of Raw and Nitro on the same night that they were on and kind of in real time flip back and forth between the two because that's what we used to do you know it was like if there was a bad match on nitro you'd flip over to raw when there was a commercial you'd flip back to nitro so like i remember hearing like oh i think rick rude's contract is running out he's he he might show up on nitro and then all of a sudden he shows up at the same time oh what a difference a day makes It, it was such a bad thing for wwf where it was just like oh man That just, like, proves it right there. Raw is, like, taped and Nitro is live. It really made a big difference somehow. Give it up for Ravishing Rick Rude! I don't know if I remember, like, particularly where I was when Rick Rude died, but I remember being pretty sad about it, and I felt like he had more time left in him, and, you know, he was only 39, I think he would have been a great instructor for like up and coming heels. Uh, he just had this perfect wrestling attitude that was just like, all the girls love me. I could like whip anybody's ass. It's just so classic. You can apply that to like any heel and it would just make it that much better. I beat you before. I'm going to beat you once more. I'm going to step over your carcass and I'm going to walk out the door. 
comic creator Box Brown. In addition to Andre the Giant Life and Legend, he's got a new book out. It's called Tetris, The Games People Play. We'll have a link to where you can get a copy of both titles on our show page at MaximumFun.org. And coincidentally, we're recording this on December 7th, which is Rick Rude's birthday. Uh, and I'll say, I've always thought of Rick Rude as one of those guys who falls into the same class of wrestler as Mr. Perfect, where, like, always had good matches, great mid-card guy, seemed like the person who would make a baby face that was getting ready for a main event run, but I would have loved to see a world title on Mr. Perfect, just as I would have loved to have seen the world title on Rick Rude. Unfortunately, that was a time when Hogan was on top, and whether... You believe Hogan and it's the booking or whether you believe everybody else and and it was Hogan, um, it just wasn't meant to be for him to get that high. So that's that's always what I think of when I think of Rick Rude. That and and him having um, Jake the Snake's wife (laughs) airbrushed on his crotch. That was fucking amazing. (laughs) It was so great. Danielle, what about you? Um, unfortunately, like I didn't because there, he was like, that was way before I started really getting into wrestling. So my first like introduction to Rick Rude was when he was like that hot second he was in DX. Okay. Which is not probably the best way. To <laughs> not the best word. Not the best no. word. Not the best, not the best way to get to. So I've gone back and I've looked at matches and stuff, but I think, I think he's great. I think I would have appreciated him more if I would have watched it when I was younger. Because right. now you look back at stuff like. Peyton, someone's wife on your dick, and uh, and and with my fresh 2016 eyes, I'm like mm-hmm. a, little, a little Enzo, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, little, a little Enzo. I don't, know, I don't know if I like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those things that makes me wish I would have been like a WCW person, not like like a WCW in like the like. 80s. Right. <laughs> and like early 90s. Right. I'm, I'm going back and I'm rediscovering all that stuff. That is, is the, fun. the great thing about the WWE Network, not to like give it an overt plug. Yeah, they ain't giving us can, no money. You can go back and watch a lot of great matches and catch up on people you've never seen before, including Rick Rude. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on the Ravishing One? And do you have a particular match that you would suggest people check out if they're not familiar with You know, I don't, I don't, I wasn't that familiar with each individual match, but when I first started paying attention to wrestling, one of the prominent views of the time was, um, was Rick Rude and Ultimate Warrior. Okay. Um, mm. And, you know, early live events I'd gone to in my life, Rick Rude was on the card. So we're like part of the audience that he was... Uh, insulting and it was great it really made you want to watch him get beat up and it was one of those classic scenarios where you had this heel who um all the guys hated but the women used to really scream and hoop and holler for yeah uh, and he used to come out in a towel or come out in a robe and, yes and and tell them he was this is what they had all come to see and it would be legit women screaming like <laughs> legit like <laughs> And, and and he had a you know a great body, a great look, and he was an awesome worker in the ring too because he went from that kind of uh, prima donna narcissistic character to being like really vicious in the ring, uh, and it worked out good. But I think I think of him as being a person who he was a product of the territory era, and he's a great example of why like it would be great if something like that was still around because when he started, he started in like mid at the Mid Atlantic territory. He was uh, Ricky Rude. Yeah. He was smiling, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He was a baby face. And he really he had no character. He had very little skills, but he went from Mid Atlantic and I think he went to Memphis and I think he went to Mid South and then he started to figure out this character 
So by the time he gets ultimately back to Memphis and has figured out the character by having that sort of interaction in all these territories where you can try to figure something out and then before it gets stale, you can move on and keep working on it and workshopping it. Um, you know, by the time he was done that second time in Memphis, he was ready for the national stage. Yeah. He had a gimmick that translated on that level. And that's just something like, you know, it's sad that that's not around anymore. There's guys who like who are put on television now that are super green that have to kind of figure it out in front of all of us. And this is like the worst position to be in as a wrestler. Like you want them to have it figured out already. You want them to know what character archetype they connect to. So us as fans, like we're not ahead of them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, they're supposed to be manipulating our emotions. Yeah, folks are open micing it on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, exactly. We, we talk about Ring of Honor, we talk about PWG, and there are lots of great independent promotions, but you don't have those regional loops you where don't. you loan your champion out, and that champion works his way from city to city, back and forth again, not only developing his character like Rick Rude did, but also developing a persona within each town. So exactly. when he comes back to Texas the next time, they're either looking forward to him or can't wait until the next time he leaves. Yeah, the old NWA system was incredible. Like yeah. He had one champion that used to go to each territory, and, and you know, he couldn't be in that territory every month. So whenever he was in that territory, it, it brought business up because he was a nationally recognized star, and whoever your best star was at the time, you put him up against him, and, you know, it, it raises the bar for everything. You yeah. Know? Well, Rick Rude, no doubt taken from us too soon, but thankfully we'll always get to appreciate his work on the internet. Just like the three things we'll be sharing with you podcast listening pinheads after this break <laughs> on Tights and Fights. Are you in need of a shakeup? Max Fun Con is our annual comedy and creativity festival and it changes lives. Max Fun Con West returns to Lake Arrowhead next June and Max Fun Con East is back in the Poconos next September. Tickets for both are on sale right now and they will sell out. Visit MaxFunCon.com to buy your tickets today. We can't wait to see you there. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Loveland. I'm joined as always by Daniela Radford and Michael Eagle. Every week we like to end the show on an upbeat by putting over three things we enjoyed from the wrestling world. This is the three count. What's that from? What is that from? WCW NWO Revenge. I thought it sounded familiar. Oh, it's from a WCW video game? Yes. We must remove it immediately. <laughs> Danielle, you're up first. What do you want to put over? I am putting over the Black Lotus Triad on Lucha Underground um, last week because it was so dope. So, Pentagon Dark used to be uh, just like Pentagon or Pentagon Jr. And wait, he... wait, 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 wait. So Pentagon Dark was Pentagon Junior. Yes. Okay. So now right. he's now he's Pentagon Dark. Got it. And okay. he has this whole thing where he like breaks dudes' arms and shit, right? And him and Vampiro. Legit or fake? Fake. Okay. I just want to make sure. I don't know the rules of this weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't promotion. really straight up break dudes' arms in Lucha Underground. Pewter could have done it to Kurt Angle. Yeah, mm. that's a fair point. Cute. So he had this whole thing of breaking dudes' arms, and he like. It, he, everyone in the first season of Lucha was like, oh, but who's his, like, dark master? And it turned out that it was Vampiro. Oh, I remember um, that, yeah. Yeah, and then he, like, he, we found out because he broke Vampiro's arm, and he was like, my arm is like your sacrifice. And it was like, shut up, Ian. And then, uh, <laughs> and so now he's Pentagon Dark, 
And him and Ian ain't buds no more. So Black Lotus triad, there was just a chick named Black Lotus who was on there forever. And so now she came back and she done brought her girls with her. Oh, I thought she split herself into three people because that'd be super ill. Yeah. I kind of, yeah. The mother, yeah. the daughter, and the holy arm. Oh. <laughs> so she comes in. And, and then that might still be it. I'll hope Lance so. Lucha Underground. I'll keep hope alive. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, now Pentagon Dark is going to fight this gauntlet with three of the chicks. Not Black Lotus, but three of the chicks in the Black Lotus triad. I was there for this. This match was incredible live. And so, like, he dispatches the first two, and the last one, like, just fucking wrecks him. And then Black Lotus comes out, and she's like, oh, you like arms, huh? Cacao breaks his arm. Oh, wow. It's so dope. Uh, and here's the best clip we can find. The man face down in the ring is Pentagon Dark. He has had to fight three times tonight. All of it because of that lady right there, Black Lotus. Pentagon Dark broke her arm. And now she is back for revenge. Mm-hmm. Holy Jesus. He be breaking arms. But then she came back and broke his arm. That's tight. It was amazing. It's one of the best matches I have ever seen live, period, as long as I've been watching wrestling. Because it was just dope the way that it kept building on itself and building by itself. And at the end of it, everyone's on their feet. Everyone's going crazy. Um, So, yeah, watch that match because matches are good. Matches are good. Pass. (laughs) (laughs) the salt pass I mean I guess I'll watch it at some point you know what he's obviously not really gonna watch it let's all get together sometime we'll watch it together how's that okay Mm -hmm. I love that I've already said we should do that okay can I be high I'm sorry I shouldn't have said I I was thinking you mean high on life no I don't actually yeah no (laughs) oh life is a strain of marijuana yes (laughs) it is every strain actually (laughs) Just braided together. Uh, life is a hybrid. Uh, they, they call it Marley's braid. It's also called life. Mike, what do you want to put over this week? I'm going to put over talking smack. Surprise, surprise. Yay. Um, God, I just love the format because they just come out and talk and and it's unscripted and they go places and it's great. And uh, on the uh, TLC event, we saw Rhino and Heath Slater uh, lose the tag titles to the Wyatt family and... Uh, and they had the rematch on SmackDown, and they lost again. And so the first time that we're hearing from Heath and Rhino is uh, on this segment that ends Talking Smack. And uh, as far as emotions go, oh, <laughs> this one wrenches the old guts. Um, I just want to play the clip from it. I didn't know we were, like, keeping score on this. I mean, actually, I won the titles for us. Well, would. yeah, but if you recall, how did you, what happened right before... I gored our opponents, and you made the cover. Yeah, but I'm just saying, this is a team. We're doing this together. Right? Like I said, I didn't know we were keeping score on this. Actually, you lost it for us, too. If you want to just bring that up. Seriously, you're just going to walk off? Rhino. It's almost sadder when you're not looking at it. It's you just hear really... the hear the heavy silence. Damn, oh, man. is he the Charlie Brown of WWE? <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> so. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Sad Charlie Brown music. Oh. oh, I just yeah, I just you know, I just love that. I'm gonna watch it again when I get home. 
And that's what I want to put <laughs> over. just going to watch a man soul die? I am. I yeah. am. I love it. As soon as I get home, I'm going to watch it, too. Here we go. I'm very excited to see it. Well, I'll call you up. We'll press play together. I love it. <laughs> Sync it up. You know, Sync it up. I, I'll tell you what I wouldn't mind seeing Heath Slater do, which is have a feud for the Intercontinental title with the man who I'm putting over this week, The Miz. Uh, doing the best work of his career after a hellacious, as Stone Cold would say, ladder match, uh, The Miz gets on the mic and cuts this fantastic promo to build on his own heat. Let's listen. That is why we are in day 19 of The Miz's never-ending Intercontinental Championship reunion tour. Someone... Someone get Dolph Ziggler a participation award because that's what you people in Dallas do. You give people that participate awards. So give them an award. Give yourselves all awards because we all know participation means loser. Loser, 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 loser. Winner. Loser, wherever he is. And above and beyond else, winner, the victor, gets the spoils. I win. I still, I mean, I don't know where this is going with him because he goes on to talk trash about Daniel Bryan. He dedicates the win to Daniel Bryan who never (laughs) believed in him. I love it. I have no idea where it's going, but... You just want to you just want to see him beat, which is what you wanted from Rick Rude, which is what you wanted from Mr. Perfect when he was doing his heel work. All the best heels, you just want to see them lose. Beat that ass. <laughs> yeah. So we salute ye, Mike Mizanin. That does it for this week on Tights and Fights. We are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Our hosts are Daniel Radford and Mike Eagle, along with me, Hal Lublin. Our producer and secret soldier from Beyond the Glass is Julian Burrell. Secret. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music as well, so we're putting him over for that. If you're going to be in Chicago on February 11th, come see us at Very, Very Fun Day. We'll be there along with all sorts of other Max Fun podcasts like Judge John Hodgman, The Flophouse, and tons more. Details are at MaximumFun.org slash Very, Very Fun Day. Keep up with us all week long at Facebook.com slash group slash Tights Fights and at Tights Fights on Twitter. We'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.